Let me tell you today, Satan is out to stop us. Satan is out to destroy our witness. Satan is out to keep us from being a light in the community where God has placed us. There are things that Satan will use to stop you today. And I want us to look at some of those things. Is this an extensive list? No. Is this an everything-inclusive list? No. But there are some things on this list that I want to give you guys today that the Lord has given me that I want us to look at today some things that Satan can used to stop us from being effective uh, in the way that the Lord would have us to be. So let's look at some of these things. Number one, I want us to look at possessions. We're going to start out, there, there's going to be some simple things there, here. There's going to be some things that we look at that's going to be common knowledge. Then there's going to be some things that maybe we don't think about. But possessions today are earthly things. Many times in life we get, we get drawn aside and pulled apart because of the things that we have a desire to possess. And the Bible teaches us about one of those, the love of money. And there's something that I've noticed in, in life and in living life at the age that I am now is the need that we always, we always have a need for more. Or we always think we have a need for more. We always desire more. It doesn't matter how much you've got, you're always desiring more. A little bit more. We can always use in our minds a little bit more. There's the desire for us to get and have more. There's a desire within us many times to have better and to have bigger and to have, you know, we, 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 we've, I've noticed through the years that, and I've noticed this lately. I've kind of wound up back in an area of the of the country where um, I grew up, and in riding around, sometimes I notice some of the houses that my friends grew up in. I've noticed some of the houses where my friends used to live, the houses that maybe they bought right after they got married. What I would consider today very small houses. And then I ride by and see where they're living today, and they're much larger, much bigger, much more expensive. There's something within us that the devil puts within us that we always want bigger and better. And may I say this, we can never be satisfied because there's always bigger and better out there. What we have to do is realize that our, our focus should not be on these earthly possessions. Our focus ought to be on the things of God. Our focus ought not to be on, on uh, those worldly things that can so easily beset us and so easily get us sidetracked in the way that, okay, now to pay for these things, we've got to work more hours at the job, which then is going to take us away from soul winning visitation or anything that the church has going on in our Bible study or prayer time. We have to be careful as men not to let those things get away from us. You know, sometimes things happen and we blame them on the Lord. So I'm going to make a statement here. I, the Lord put me in, whether, I, whether it was actually God or I'm just blaming God for this, but God put me in a situation over the last few months where I took a, second, or took a little part-time job just to try to pay some bills. And, and I was valet parking cars at a hotel. And something that I noticed is when we would have those real expensive cars come up and, and we... we We've had 
Bentleys, we've had Rolls Royces, uh, we've had, you know, some of your, your real expensive cars. And I've noticed that we would, as we would park those cars, all those owners would want us to park them kind of up front and close to where we were where we could keep our eye on them at all times. But that put it more in the front of people. And I've noticed that everybody would flock around those cars. They were all drooling and lusting after those vehicles. Like, man, and I, I felt myself too. When the first time I drove that drove that Rolls Royce and the door opened this way instead of this way, and I was able to open that door and, stick my, and swing my feet out, I thought, man, this is nice. But I'll never have that say amen because I know that I'll never make that kind of money. What a blessing. But we have to be careful about where we put our affection. We have to be careful about what we set our affection on. Because it's those things that can take us and draw us away from God and away from that, that, that which is godly and holy. You can always have more. You'll never reach the pinnacle of I have arrived and I am now satisfied. Satan is going to make sure that you're never satisfied. But yet the Bible teaches us what that I've learned in whatsoever state I am there with what? To be content. So we need to be careful that we don't let possession stop us and keep us from being all that we can do and can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the more we have, the more we have to make to pay for those things we have. Amen? The bigger the house, the bigger the electric bill. Amen? The bigger the house, the bigger the taxes. Amen? Just got to be careful. Pennies. And I thought about this uh, yesterday riding down the road. As I've already said, we always want more. We always, there's always more money that we want because the more money we have, the more we figure we can buy and the better we can live and the more we can eat out and the things we can do we say for other people. But many times, and I'm not saying that just because you have money does not mean you cannot serve God, but it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money within itself is not evil. But you do have to, or I say you, I know me, we have to reel that in within ourselves. We have to keep, I have to keep myself on a tight leash because I know that I could very easily get my eyes off of that which is godly and I could very easily find myself setting my affection on things where my affection don't need to be. So we have to be careful and remember there's always one more that we can get. We can always desire that one more dollar, so we have to be careful. We never have enough. And, and we, we talked about 1 Timothy 6.10, but the love of money is the root of all evil. I want to read that to us just real quick here. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You can move with me or you can stay there, but it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after they have erred from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Many times the more money you've got, the more sorrows you have. There's something to be said about simplicity. Say amen. I want us to look at people. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. I want to read that to us. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did you know that many times in our life it is the people that we're around 
that can discourage us and keep us from having the desire to serve God. Many times it's our family. Many times it's those that are closest to us. Uh, they will always, they will always uh, set the family reunions on Sunday. You ever notice that? They'll always make the time to try to, well, let's all spend some time as a family and go down to the beach or go to the lake or go to the park, and we're going to have a time of family. You have to be careful because family can sometimes, people and those family members can sometimes come between you and serving God. I know that in, in my particular life there was, uh, there was some family members that when we completely sold out and said, okay, we're going to serve God with our life, it was some of our own family members who claimed to be Christians that then became our worst enemy in trying to stop us and keep us from serving God. I think that can be many times uh, derived in their mind through a, a lot of different things. Many times it could be pride or jealousy, or because now we've sold out and we want to serve God, it makes them look bad, so they have to, they have to try to make us feel bad for wanting to serve God because they're not willing to do that themselves. You have to be careful. Sometimes it, is, it can be your own family that can be a, a stumbling block and keep you from serving God. And Satan will make sure that he puts whatever he needs to in your life that will, that will be the thing that can keep you or make you feel like, I don't need to go full force and serve God with my life. Sometimes it can be your friends. I've had friends that have discouraged me from serving God. Sometimes it can be your foes. Sometimes it can be your enemies that can attack you on a daily basis. And sometimes, as I said, that can be family, that can be, that can be uh, friends, but it can also be those that, that you think are your friends, but they are out to destroy you. And Satan will use whoever and whatever he can to keep you from serving God with your life. And we as men, we just need to determine that we're not going to let anything stop us and keep us from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Just know this, there's always going to be people that don't like you say amen. It's good to think that everybody's going to love you, but not everybody's going to like you. And there's going to be some people that's just going to set out to destroy you. And Satan is going to use other people to try to keep you from serving God with your life. Pharisees. I'm talking about people in the church. I'm talking about the religious crowd can sometimes discourage us from serving God. And that ought not to be. These should be our greatest cheerleaders, but many times they become the stumbling block in our life. I was taught this at an early age. There's always going to be a bucket committee. Every time you have somebody that gets on fire for God... There's going to be somebody in the church many times that's got that bucket of water come wanting to throw it on that person that's on fire for God and ready to be sold out to God and do something. They're on fire and somebody's like, well, we ain't never done it like that before. Bucket of water on them. We've never done that. Well, that's not how we've done it. And, and uh, you just need to calm down. You're, what they're saying is you're making them look bad. Watch out for the bucket committee. It can be the religious crowd. Did you know that it can even be other pastors? It can be, it can be those deacons and, and pastors and leaders and Sunday school teachers. 
many times that can speak those words of discouragement to you. But understand this, don't let anything stop you. If God has laid on your heart to serve Him and God has given you the ability to serve Him and God has given you a call to serve Him, don't let anything stop you. Just stand fast and say, I'm going to serve God no matter what man says, no matter what what man it may be. Like I said, many times it will be those that we are in church with or those in other churches around us. We just have to stand firm and say, I will serve God. It was God that called me and not that man, not that Sunday school. And we have to understand that we are called of God and and guys, we, we have to just settle in that we're going to serve God. And many times that's a mindset. We just have to determine that we're not going to let anything move us and stop us from serving God with our life. Be careful about that. Priorities. Many times in life we let our priorities get out of hand. I think immediately of work schedules. And I just said I took that, that little part-time job and, and uh, they needed me to work at night. And it's a, when you're valet parking cars at a hotel, it's a 24-hour day situation because you know, hotel guests, they can want their cars at any time or check in the hotel at any time. Boy, they done everything they could to get me to work Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. And I told them, I said, I will not work on a Wednesday night. I will not work on a Saturday night. Let me say this, I, I, I'm thankful and I know that there are some professions out there, you look at some doctors, you look at, at police officers, you look at firemen and those things, uh, they, their shifts many times, they cannot work around their shifts, but if that's not a job that God has given you to do, and that's not a calling that you've got, and we're just going to work a secular job, then we need to stand firm and stand strong. And I told them when they hired, or before they hired me, I said, I will not work on Sunday nights, or I won't work on Sundays, period, and I will not work on Wednesday nights. And then it got to the point, because I wasn't getting off till about 11.30, quarter till 12 or 12 midnight some nights, and then I still had an hour and 10-minute drive back home. I finally come to them and said, I can't work on Saturdays. And the reason I couldn't work on Saturdays is because I felt like <clears throat> that by the time I got home and went to got wound down, I wasn't getting enough sleep, and I found myself nodding off in church on Sundays. I found myself uh, not being able to stay as in tune to the preaching of God's Word, and I felt like I was missing some things that God had for me because I was working late on Saturday night. So I finally went to Him and said, I'm just going to work four days a week. I'll work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but I will not work those other three days. And you know what? I'm thankful that they respected me for that. And I found many years ago as a younger man that if I would just set that down as a, as a policy of mine and let people know right up front in my job situation, I usually was respected for that because they, they appreciated the fact that I was willing to take a stand for what I believed in and how I was willing to live my life for the Lord. So work schedules, work choices, the place that we work. That kind of all ties in together. We have to be careful many times about where we work. And if you know, if if you're a fireman, a police officer, uh, you know, doctor, those things that uh, you work in the hospital, I understand that. That's fine. But if you do have a choice about where you can work, you need to be careful that you make 
sure that you work in positions and choose work choices and places that you can work that maybe are not open 24 hours a day and not open on the weekends. Just be careful is all I'm saying. You have to be careful with our priorities, with our family time and our family situations and sports activities. It's, uh, it's funny to me how I notice that, that many times uh, uh, they will want to play uh, t-ball you know, on Saturdays, but then when it comes to tournaments or, or, or little league tournaments, they always want to set those on Sunday. You ever notice that? I noticed that around where I grew up, around where I'm at. They always want to have those away tournaments on Sunday. That kind of stuff can pull you out of the house of God. You have to be careful. Make sure that your priorities are right and you stick by those priorities and make sure that those priorities are godly priorities. Pride, I want to talk to us about pride this morning. Well, that's something that I deal with, I know, and I'm sure that most of us being men, we all have to watch our pride at different times. Pride can step in and keep us from serving God. Got to watch pride. We all struggle with pride. Got to be careful with pride. That can come in a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways. You know, I think of when we serve God, we have to we have to many times serve with others. Many times we're not we're not in a place where we're serving God all by ourselves. It involves corporate service, and we have to be careful about that because pride will kick in, and when pride rears its head up, then arguing and I'm right and you're wrong and, and those kind of things and, and Satan can get in that and it can destroy us and cause us to get angry at those that we're serving God with. Say amen. Well, I want the chairs turned this way. No, I want them turned that way. Somebody just needs to say, okay, well, I'll go with what the pastor says. Amen. I'll obey the pastor. I'll, okay, the pastor wants the chair set this way or... All right, the pastor wants the, the, the bathroom painted this color. We'll paint it. Well, I wanted it painted blue, or I wanted it painted green, or I, I wanted to put this decoration in there. I, wanted to, I want to clean the carpets this way. Got to be careful about pride. Pride can strip you from serving God. Even in, you, you, talk, you think about if God were to call you to be a missionary. Missionaries many times have to swallow their pride. They have to swallow their pride about how they live their life. They have to swallow their pride about how they even help or get the help financially that they need to go do what God has called them to do. <clears throat> Does that make sense? I know it makes sense in my mind, but you know, missionaries, they receive everything they have from the generosity of, of others in churches. And boy, pride can... Pride can step in, and, and you know we're taught from a young age to to uh, uh, work and to to get out and work physical labor. Uh, Brother Greg was saying at breakfast this morning or, or last night, I forget. He was talking about Jonathan. I think it was this morning talking about Jonathan. You know, he's always said he's easy to when his girls are in need. He wants to just fulfill that need. But if Jonathan has a need, he's like, go get a job, go go work and make the money. So we're taught as men to earn our way and to make our own way in life. We're taught to work with our hands. We're taught to, to be men. But many times, when depending on the level of service that we do for God, we may have to accept that we're serving God and we're not able to go work the job that we think we should and God's going to provide our needs through other people. And pride can get in the way. You have to be careful about that. 
Look at uh, uh, over there in our text in, in, in um, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. Let's look at that again real quick. I want to show you something. It says, But neither of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. The problem is many times we count our own life dear to ourselves. That goes back to pride. We look at, and, and Paul's saying, I, he, he's saying he's not going to count his, his I. Many times we want to focus around I, me, or myself. We have to be careful about that. Paul's life was not dear unto him. Guys, it's not about us. It's all about him. We have to fight that within ourselves, that welling up of pride. It's about Cedric. No, it's not about Cedric. Paul taught us that. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace. He said, it's not about me, it's about God. It's about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. God may ask us to do something, guys, that, that brings us from where we would say our status is here. God may put us here. We have to be careful about that pride. It's not about us. Die to self. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Familiar passage. Galatians 2 and verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Look at this. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Christ. I am crucified. I crucify my flesh. I crucify my desire. I crucify my will. Through all that I'm going through lately, I have been praying, and I pray every day, multiple times a day, this specific prayer. God, where my will does not match, or where my desire does not match your will, change my desire. Where my desire, we have desires as men, but where my desire does not match your will for my life, I'm asking you, God, to change my desires. We all, and, and they may not be things that are necessarily bad desires, but we need to allow God to change our desires to match His will. God's got a will and a purpose and a plan for all of us. And we need to fit into His will, not our will. Not our desires. Not my will, but thy will be done. We need to be careful about that as men, guys. I want us to look now at, uh, at pain. Pain many times can keep us and stop us from serving God can move us away from the things of God. There's a couple of different types of pain. We can talk about the emotional hurt that others have inflicted on you. And many times those, in, those who call themselves Christians can hurt us. I know in my life that's happened to me several times. And what I've, what I've come to realize is it's just people. People are just, we're all just sinners saved by grace. Say amen. And we have to be careful that we don't let the emotional hurt that others inflict upon us keep us from serving God. <clears throat> People will say, well, he hurt me or she hurt me or 
man done this to me, or, or those people down there at the church done this or done that to me. They may have, but God didn't. God's never hurt you. The Holy Spirit's never done anything but been good to you. Say amen. It was not God that hurt you. <coughs> Remember, we are all sinners saved by grace. We are no better than they are those that hurt us because probably if the truth be known, we've hurt people ourselves. We cannot let, just like we don't want the hurt that we've inflicted on others to stop them from serving God, we cannot let the hurt that others have inflicted on us keep us from serving God. Be careful about the pain that we endure in life. Sometimes that pain is not always emotional. Sometimes it's a physical pain. Just push through. I think immediately of Kirby Campbell. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard that name, but <laughs> Kirby went in for a simple uh, surgery on his knee. Should have been an easy surgery, so to speak. And they, they went in there and come to find out that the person who'd done the epidural on him uh, and and had been up and for uh, two or three days and had multiple shifts back to back. And, and this nurse, when they'd done the epidural on him, hit the wrong spot in there and messed him up. And Kirby, for years... Kirby done. He was he was normal at first, and then after that surgery, he he just got where he. This was how Kirby was all the time. And Kirby, he was in constant pain, and he was this way because of the pain that was drawing him and causing his body to convert, convulse, and causing his body to to restrict because of the pain. But Kirby never stopped serving God. Kirby continued to preach, and he traveled this country, and he. He he done uh, evangelistic meetings all over the country. His wife many times would have to drive him. He didn't sleep at night uh, from the pain. He he went hours and sometimes days and days without sleep. But he never let that stop him from preaching and serving God with his life and being a blessing to others. Don't let physical afflictions. You know uh, we're we're all we're all in this in this life and we all. Uh, uh, come come across pain and as our body ages, but we cannot let that stop us from serving God with our life. Our ministry may change as we age, but we should never stop serving God. Politics. I want us to look at politics this morning. <laughs> I'm talking about the laws in government. The laws in government can sometimes step in, and uh, I believe that as 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 we're getting closer to the to the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our laws of government is going to continue to tighten down and stricken stricken themselves on us and and make things more strict on us as Christians. Uh, thank God we don't live in in China. Say Amen. Thank God we're able to assemble this morning freely and openly and have a sign out by the road that says Keitha Heights Baptist Church. And we can put on social media that we're having a meeting today. And we can gather freely around the Word of God. But in many places, they don't have that. If we're not careful, or I figure that, that before the Lord returns, we're going to have that here in America. We're going to be, they're going to put restrictions on us. But understand this. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 1. Real quick, look with me. Proverbs 21 and verse number 1. The Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord 
as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever it will. The thought that I had about that was simply this. Herod thought he was flexing his power when he was bringing a census. But God was using Herod to fulfill prophecy. See, Herod thought he was in control. But Herod wasn't in control. God was in control of Herod. I thought about the taxing that, was, that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem where Christ was born. That was nothing more than prophecy being fulfilled. See, Herod and Caesar, they thought that they were in control. But God was turning them. And many times we look at things, and I've heard people say, boy, things are falling apart in America today. You know how, what I say? I don't say things are falling apart. I say things are falling in place. There's a greater, there's a greater thing coming, and we're going to be out of here. Say amen. <coughs> all it is, all the trouble and all the, all the government things that we're seeing, it's all just falling into place in God's timing and in God's way. Just prophecy being fulfilled. Pilate thought that he was appeasing the crowd by scourging Jesus. But it's just fulfilling prophecy that we would be healed by His stripes. Amen? Isaiah 53.5. Isaiah 53.5. You can turn there with me if you want to. Uh, Isaiah 53.5. But we were... Uh, let me find it here. I guess I forgot to mark that in my Bible. Isaiah 53.5, it teaches us, and it says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. See, they thought by beating and scourging Him, Pilate thought that he was appeasing the crowd when they said, Release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Pilate was... Pilate and them thought that they, were, that they were doing what the crowd wanted, but it was not necessarily what the crowd wanted, but it was part of the plan for him to be, to, to be beaten and his stripes that would ultimately save us and heal us from our sin. Problems in life can stop us. Problems in life. Life happens, guys. We all face discouragements and we all face disappointments. Things very rarely go how we want them to go in life. We have a plan and God laughs. Say amen to that one. We, have, we think that we've got our life all planned out. We think we know how things are going to go. We think we know what we want in life. And then God just completely blindsides us or allows things to happen in our life that again bring us and mold us and shape us into what He would have us to be. Job chapter number 14 and verse number 1 teaches us, and it says, Job 14, 1, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You're never going to escape trouble. If you're waiting on trouble to go away, you'll never serve God. 
If you're waiting on your problems in life to go away, you'll never serve God. We have to serve God through those problems and through those disappointments and through the discouragements and through the happenings of life. We have to just hunker down and determine that we are going to serve God with our life. So how do we, how do we respond to all these things that, that I've talked about this morning? Number one, we have to make God preeminent in our life. He's got to be preeminent. I heard this recently and it said this. <clears throat> God cannot be number one on our list. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. God cannot be number one on our list. God's got to be the list. Because if He's number one on the list today, that means tomorrow He could be number four. That means next week He could be number five. He can't be number one on our list. He has to be the list. He has to be everything that we think and everything that we are and everything that we do has to be about Him. He can't be just number one. He has to be it all. God must be preeminent in our life. Another way that we can... Combat those things we talked about this morning is pray. Pray about everything. I know myself, I have, um, I guess the Lord is teaching me to pray. I'm not going to say I'm there, but He is teaching me to pray. I get sometimes in, you know, in, in the car and I'm, I'm, and I'll pray, okay, Lord, I'm hungry. Where do you want me to eat today? Most of us will say, well, I feel like a hamburger or I feel like chicken. What if we just said, okay, Lord, where do you want me to eat today? What do you want me to eat today? God, what do you want me to do? What if we just prayed every day, all day about everything? Lord, where do you want We get to the stop sign. Lord, do you want me to turn right? you want me to turn left? Think about the protection of God we might have if we just let Him direct our steps in every area of life. We've got to pray about everything. Commune with Him, and then when we commune with Him, what do we do then? We've got to listen say Amen. We have to listen. We had, uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, a few weeks ago, I had, a, I had a financial need in my life. And I didn't know how in the world I was going to meet this financial need. And um, we had at the church that I'm attending down in Florida currently... We had a Sunday morning service, dinner on the grounds, and a Sunday afternoon service. <clears throat> so when that was over that afternoon, I loaded up some leftovers, say amen, like all good Baptists do, amen, anything left over. I'm like, I'm taking this home so I can meet next week, say amen. So uh, I got, got my leftovers, got in the car, and I was like, okay, Lord, what am I going to do tonight about church? Where am I going to go to church tonight, Lord? And right, right around the corner from us, less than, less than probably three-quarters of a mile from our church, is another good, strong church. And usually if we're not having service or something at our church, that's always where I go. He's a good brother. I've known him for probably 30 years. A good friend of mine. The man can preach. It's just a good, good, solid church. And I was like, Lord, where do I go to church tonight? And it's like... Don't go to Brother Rogers. 
don't go to Bible. And I'm like, but that's where I always go. And I kept praying, Lord, where do I go to church tonight? Where do I go? Where do I go? Lord, what do you want me to do? And a church popped in my mind that I've never been to. And for you, those of you that don't mind or that don't know, I have traveled the country basically all of my adult life in ministry. <laughs> and especially in that area down there, that Florida, Georgia area, been all over in, in so many churches. But there's one church, Victory Baptist Church, Brother Steve Ward. I've never been in his church. Never been to a church service there. We've parked on his property uh, when we had our bus and, we, and we've used their electricity for other meetings I had in the area, but I've never been to church there. And for some reason, I had the desire to go to church at Victory Baptist in Valdosta, Georgia that Sunday night. And I thought, there is no reason for me to do that. That's an hour and a half drive. I don't have the money to put the gas in the car to go. But it's like, okay, I just won't go to church. I'll just go home and, and I'm tired. I'll just rest. No, I'll go to Bible Baptist right down the road. And I was back and forth. But every time I prayed about it, it just felt like I'm supposed to go to Georgia. Hour and a half away. So I dropped the leftovers off, freshened up a little bit, and got in the car and I headed to Valdosta. And I thought, okay, God, you've got something in the message for me tonight at this church. I pulled up. And I thought, man, I missed it because there on the sign it said, uh, Brother So-and-so, founder of the church, uh, fireside chat Sunday nights. Question and answer time. So I thought, man, I don't have time to go to another church. So I went in and, and he was, they had the pastor and his wife up on the platform that started the church. They, they had started the church, was there for many years. They went to Peru and were missionaries in Peru. And they're older now. They've left the mission field and they were back and... And they were just kind of having a month of celebrating the church, anniversary month, that kind of thing. And, and they were kind of interviewing him, and he was telling all about his Peru work or his missionary work in Peru. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, are you calling me to Peru? Because I'm focused in on, okay, God, what do you, you brought me here for a reason. Why did you bring me here? What am I supposed to gain from being here? I didn't feel like God was calling me to Peru. Church was over. The pastor come down. And he goes, aren't you Cedric? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I was kind of hoping I could just slip in, go to church and leave. And he was talking to me a little bit there. And, man, it's good to have you. And, and uh, I told him a little bit about what was going on in my life. And he prayed with me. And I started out the door. I walked past all these church members. You know how church members are. They all gather around in a group and then nobody speaks to the visitors. So I walked out the doors. And I got to the front porch, and the door closed behind me. <clears throat> and there was this this family, an older uh, older couple, uh, and then some of their kids or grandkids with them. And they were slowly walking off the porch of the of the church. So I kind of was behind them. I couldn't go around them, so I was slowly walking off the porch there behind them. And about that time, the door opened up behind me. This young guy in his probably late twenties, uh, and he come right at me, and he goes, "Do you have a prayer card?" He goes, uh, he goes, what do you do? And so I, I said, no, I just gave out my last prayer card a couple of days ago. don't have any more. And, and I said, um, I'm a, a missionary evangelist uh, and told him a little bit about my work and what I do. So I was walking out to the car. Well, he followed me. And so he, I was telling him a little bit about what I've done. So I looked at him. I said, well, what do you do? And for some reason, I said to him, I said, what's your story? And he laid out a story to me that just was very sad, but yet 
I saw the grace of God in his life. And so he finished that story and he says, but God has turned things around and he said, I'm here today and, and I'm in the church. I got saved recently and, and he said, I've got a job. And he said, I really just, he said, I don't care about my job. I don't care about making money. He said, I make more money than I know what to do with. But he said, I just want to preach. I just want to serve God with my life. He said, I've been going down to the nursing home on Sunday afternoons and preaching. And he goes, uh, what can I do for you? And I said, I want you to pray for my situation I told you about. I want you to pray for my son. He goes, I, I, I know you've told me that three times. He goes, but, but what can I do for you? He said, I want to do something for you. He said, like I told you, he said, I, I live in a house that, that it's just bigger than I'd, I'd ever dreamed I'd ever live in. I'm living the American dream. I've got cars and boats and things. And he said, I don't care about any of that. He said, I want to do something to help you. He said, would X number of dollars help you? And I thought, that's the number I'm short. And I said, sir, that's between you and the Lord. Whatever you do, if you do, is between you and the Lord. So he went and wrote me a check, and he came back and handed it to me, and I thanked him and hugged him and got in the car. But here's, that night was not about the money that he gave me. You know what that night was for me? It was because I prayed all afternoon, God, where do you want me? God, what do you want me to do? Where do I go to church tonight? I could have went home and went to bed. I could have went home and stayed on YouTube and watched things on Facebook or whatever or, or watched TV or whatever. I could have done that, but I kept praying, God, what do I do? And God sent me an hour and a half away. Yes, amen. And it, you know what it told me? That I still have the ability to pray and hear the response from God. And I still have the ability to obey God. Because there's been a lot of things in my life lately that I've questioned. And I've wondered, God, am I even able to hear what you have to say in my life? That helped me. The money helped me, but more so than the money, praying and following the will of God and then God taking care of the need helped me. So learn to commune with God. Pray about everything. Then plant yourself firmly. Psalm 1, 1 uh, we, we all know that verse there. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But, <clears throat> but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, law, in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We ought to just plant ourselves. We ought to just plant ourselves in the things of God. <coughs> and don't let anything move us. We just need to plant ourselves in the preaching of God's Word and under the preaching of God's Word. Stay under good Bible preaching, not agenda preaching. Stay away from churches and pastors and preachers that agenda preach. Be careful of that. I'm seeing a lot of that out there today. Stay away from agenda preaching. Stay under good Bible preaching. And stay under the preaching of the preserved Word of God. Stay under preaching from the old King James Bible. Say amen. Find you a church. Get in a church that teaches and preaches the King James Bible. And stay under the preaching of the preserved Word of God. 
Well, David, if you'll come to the piano real quick. Uh, I don't know if, if we need to have an invitation or not, but David's going to play a little bit, or uh, maybe we just need to stand, stretch our legs, and, and um, just ponder these thoughts. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that I covered this morning that can move us from the things of God and move us and keep us from serving God in the capacity that He would have us to be. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll just have a hymn of invitation if God's spoken to your heart. That we would learn to follow Him, give our will to Him. Listen carefully to His leading. God's spoken to your heart. Uh, now is the opportunity you have to make that decision for Him.